This is Chris McGrath with This Side Up, a podcast for TDN. Veterans would have an instant solution. Coming from a culture where most wagering stipulates a fixed dividend, in the startling event that your horse happens to see through his part of the deal, I tend to view the morning line on American races as named for the hangover evidently being suffered by its compiler. Certainly by the time the market has been soberly hydrated with dollars and cents, I won't be expecting anything as close to an even play as the 4-5 to five listed about Forte overcoming the wide draw that appears to introduce his only real jeopardy at Gulfstream on Saturday. Now we all know that anything can happen in a horse race, but some imaginative contortions are required to see any of his rivals bridging the abyss, dividing them from the champion juvenile in the Grade 1 Curlin Florida Derby. After all, the most competent among them are keeping him company out wide anyway. There has to be every chance then that the Kentucky Derby favourite will arrive at Churchill without having been put under any meaningful pressure in five months since having to deal with Cave Rock at the Breeders' Cup. This, as we know, is the modern way. If his Hall of Fame trainer is satisfied that Forte's best shot of winning the Derby is not even to run until March, and then only to outclass two fields of inferiors in his backyard, then we must respectfully stand aside. It's a different race nowadays and contested by a different kind of horse. And it's hardly Forte's fault that so few credible contenders have been tempted to slipstream their way to 40 starting points for the runner-up. Nor is he vulnerable to the way a similarly light schedule has backfired for instant coffee, who was deliberately kept under wraps between January 21st and last weekend. It looked a safe enough gamble in that The starting points awarded down to fifth place in the Louisiana Derby gave the hot favourite plenty of margin for error. In the event, however, he missed out altogether after trying to make up ground into a quickening pace and running a tepid finish. There may be dozens of different reasons for that, so we can't assume that another race in between might have sustained him better through that mile and three sixteenths. But what I do know is that horsemen of the old school, finding themselves in this kind of pickle, would certainly not be panicking. And that's because they would know that there are still 40 points available in the Grade 3 Lexington Stakes on April 15th. Now, obviously, if you decide that the Model Derby prep today comprises races on January 21st and March 25th, then I can't imagine that you'll suddenly be willing to salvage the situation with a race at the modern equivalent of five to midnight. That's a shame, because a lot of people involved in this talented cult deserve their shot at an experience that owes much of its mystique precisely to the fact that A. No horse gets a second chance, and B. As a result, nor do very many horsemen. I can think of one man who wouldn't be squeamish about a three-week interval between the Lexington Stakes and the Derby. In fact, D. Wayne Lucas was probably disappointed in 1982 when Churchill moved the old Derby trial from the Tuesday before the race back to the Saturday. 
The couple of trial winners he had that decade were doubtless a little rusty by the time they ran midfield in the Derby a full week later. At 87, and 40 years after his first winner in Hot Springs, Lucas is already enjoying the most lucrative oak lawn meet of his career, and he's a long way from finished. Besides upcoming engagements for barn leaders Secret Oath and Last Samurai, Lucas has seven declared on Saturday's card, including Caddo River in the Grade 3 Oaklawn Mile. Until recently a barn mate of instant coffee, Caddo River ran second in the Arkansas Derby two years ago. And actually, Lucas has a candidate for the latest running with, I suspect, a rather better chance than odds that may yet extend past the 20 to 1 of the hangover line. Bourbon Bash broke his maiden by eight lengths at Saratoga last summer, but then bombed out in consecutive grey ones and was given a chance to start piecing things quietly back together in sprints. He hadn't quite learned to settle when runner-up to a talented rival round a second turn last month, but then caught the eye with the way he handled a poor trip when fifth as rank outsider for the Rebel Stakes. Lucas evidently believes that Bourbon Bash can stretch out effectively, and if he's right, his revival could yet open up a final fairy tale. But we must note that this cult is out of a sister to Volatile, who has helped to make the sire of Forte, primarily, to this point at least, a speed brand. That duly also remains a caveat about the crop leader, who will probably be depending heavily on Damsire Blame on the first Saturday in May, when he'll be facing a tenth furlong in much more exacting company. Ironically, this will actually be only Bourbon Bash's third sophomore start, scarcely the standard Lucas treatment. Lucas has said that the horse doesn't need mental seasoning, but has needed time to strengthen. He certainly fired some bullet works over the past month or so, but who knows, maybe he'll end up having to complete his preparations in the Lexington Stakes at the last port of call now that the old race week trial has been absorbed into the Derby undercard as the Pat Day Mile. Tim Tam, the last horse to double up the trial and the Derby, had previously won both the races chosen for Forte's own road to Churchill, the Fountain of Youth and Florida Derby. In fact, the Kentucky Derby was his 10th sophomore start. So where would Jimmy Jones have learned a fool thing like that, running a future Hall of Famer four days before the Derby? Well, I can't quote chapter and verse, but I can give you a citation. For the TDN, this is Chris McGrath.